Hi, and welcome back to the Truly Rich Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Combs, and the Truly Rich Podcast is brought to you by Combs Capital Partners, where we seek to help individuals and families maximize the impact of their wealth. I'm joined today by a special guest, Miles Veth. He graduated from Wheaton College in 2015. He went on to launch the Veth Group in 2018, where he has been working to help uh, companies set appointments via some some awesome ways. I'm going to let him explain. They've got over 100 active customers. Uh, he's built out 10 plus employees and his business has tripled in the last six months. He is crushing it. He just also got married just eight months ago. So super excited for Miles on, on that front as well. Miles, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I, I know uh, we shared the same college baseball coach, right? At different times over four we years. We did. We yeah. did. I, I didn't even mention that. Uh, so Miles went to Wheaton College and, and played some baseball. I played some baseball down at East Texas Baptist University. And Coach Driggers was – did he coach you all four years? Or how, how did that – because he came – he was only my coach at ETB for one year and then he left for a union, but, but we did cross paths. So he only coached my freshman year. I th- I think he went to ETBU next mm-hmm. and coached you, and then went to Union. So I think because we, we you graduated was was twenty fourteen from college twenty seventeen. So I was a couple years behind you. Okay, yeah. So so I guess it would have been my junior or senior year, like your freshman or sophomore. Yeah. So I, I was a fifteen grad, but yeah, only one year. But uh, I do remember following ETBU because I had a good relationship with Coach Trigger. So I remember kind of following what you guys are doing. Oh man, that's too funny. What a small world. Well, good. Well, Hey man, thanks so much. I'm excited to pick your brain on, on some topics that uh, we discussed here on the Truly Rich Podcast. But first, we'd love to just give you some time to share your story. I want to hear your faith story. And then if you want to share a little bit about the, the Veth group as well, that'd be awesome. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I, I grew up in a Christian home uh, in the Northeast I went to a K to eight Christian school, but then did get to go to public high school, which uh, probably wasn't as much of a mission field as it is now, but uh, definitely gave me opportunities to stand up for my faith and try to live counterculturally, which I really enjoyed. I then went back to a Christian college, Wheaton College, uh, for the opportunity to play baseball with Coach Triggers and uh, just wanting to be around that environment. I think I missed it having gone to a Christian um, grade school. And then I double majored in history and business. Uh, I attempted to get the Rhodes Scholarship and failed at that. So then I found myself in uh, in sales uh, at a big tech company called EMC. Uh, I loved EMC. I loved the leadership. Um, their big data storage device company. Um, we got purchased by Dell in your neck of the woods in Austin, Texas. That just kind of changed a little bit of what the outlook would have looked like um, for my career there. Uh, And kind of coinciding um, from a faith perspective, I started to realize how hard it is in a large company to really reach the world. So I I was telling people, you know, come to church with me or putting Bible verses on a whiteboard or talking about faith as much as I could. Um, But I realized afterwards when I came back to work with my dad how much being able to post faith content on things like LinkedIn or organize Bible studies or you know put money to causes you care about as a Christian can make a big difference. So um, I did struggle with that a little bit uh, in a big company because it's just very different, uh, or at least in that big company. 
Um, so I did that for a stretch and then came back to work with my dad who runs a, a data center and IT company in uh, Connecticut. So I did that for about a year and a half and I started to build a pretty large audience on LinkedIn. So I had a lot of people uh, reaching out to me either about marketing help or some a little bit of like life advice or encouragement or different things. So I started to go down the brand of uh, trying to touch people's lives and also talk about marketing. And then uh, that led to getting one customer and then two. And like you said, uh, I still maintain working with my dad as one of the people we support marketing of, but uh, now we're up to a hundred customers on uh, the separate entity from his business called Beth Group. And it's been a huge blessing. We set uh, about a thousand appointments, probably between a thousand and like 1300 appointments per month. Uh, so we do like creative messaging to book meetings for businesses that want to talk to other business leaders. So it's mostly B2B. You can see a little bit like in the space you're in where if someone had a target audience, like family owned business CEOs or something, you could still hit them at their work email address. But we really exclusively focus on reaching people on their LinkedIn profile or their work address or their work email address, as opposed to um, you know, like hitting them on their Facebook profile as a consumer. Um, yeah. So that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. That's awesome. And in regard to Beth, first off, congratulations on, on the success. I mean, you're three years into this and uh, to be where you're at is incredible. You mentioned before we talked that you guys have tripled in the last six months. And so, man, how, I mean, what has that been like as the momentum has continued to build? Yeah. So it's funny. I got married seven months ago. Yeah. So a little over seven months ago, between seven, and eight months. So it's definitely been busy on top of being married. Uh, but oh, my I can only imagine. Uh, yeah. Great and very supportive. So it's uh, it's been a blessing, but yeah, I uh, it's been great to learn. I think you go through every evolution of a business where when you're starting, you're trying to figure out like, why would anyone pay me to do anything? Uh, and I think there's a lot of maybe deserved uh, insecurity. Like just like if you're in financial advising, I'm sure it's weird the first time you meet someone with 50 times the bank account size that you have to be like, I can help you manage that. That's kind of the same way for me. It's like some of these guys have built $10 million businesses and I'm here endeavoring to tell them I know how to grow their business. Uh, felt, yeah, felt difficult. But uh, over time, I think you follow a natural evolution where you're just trying to make it work and not go out of business. And then you get to the point where you have enough clients, you need to hire people. And then you kind of have you plus a little bit of a supporting cast. And then you start to try to build systems and people and processes to where a lot of it runs without you. And you're focused more on your strengths, which I'd say is probably the stage I'm at now. And then eventually uh, the hope is that you can, more get a lot of those people who are everyone's better than you at every function of it. And then you're more just, you know, coaching and encouraging. Um, so I, I think it's been fun to follow the trajectory of going from being a, you know, $0 business to work, um, probably about like three and a half million dollar run right now. So still very small in the whole scheme of things, but it's been fun to just see at each stage how it changes what you focus on. Hmm. No, that's that's so neat and uh, really awesome what you guys or what you've built. And so and we, we talked about this pre-recording about how we are to think as, as Christian business leaders, 
the perspective that we might have as we seek to grow and uh, but also seek God and as we grow. And so how how does this idea of uh, not this idea, this really this reality of faith intertwine with how you operate a business and, and think about the world? So that's a great question. And I do think for me, it's been one that's had a lot of iterations. Um, when I was a little younger, I'm 28 now, but probably 24 years old, uh, maybe not unlike how you thought about it. Uh, I probably had a simplified view of you know, be really successful because I want to be really successful. And then from that, once I'm successful, I will you know, give back or do whatever you'd read about in the Bob Berg go-giver book. But, uh, but the path to being successful is going to be hard work and being so smart and, you know, reading all the Jim Collins books. And then once you get there, you can kind of do the fun stuff of giving back. And my perspective has dramatically shifted over the last few years to realize that number one, we're not guaranteed any amount of time or stability on earth. Uh, you and I are talking before this about what's happening in Afghanistan, which is um, really sad from a faith perspective in this. I mean, there's going to be really merciless persecution of Christians. And I, I think it puts into perspective, like that could be the United States at any point in the future. Like that could be uh, any country, like could go, they, all of these in history go through ebbs and flows. And you realize that as a Christian, my job is to be faithful where I am today. It's not to set these plans to be faithful 15 years from now. Mm. And a lot of us get stuck in a trap of acting like nothing's going to change. So if I'm successful when I'm 50, I can give back money. But today, you know, I, I need to save money versus give it back. Or So I think I've looked much more into the present than I used to. And from a you know radical generosity, I think it's a dangerous word because you don't want to ascribe it to yourself. But I read this Bob Berg book. Uh, called The Go-Giver, which is all about a salesman who uses generosity to ultimately reach his goals. And it's tempting to see those things as a weapon for short-term success. If I invite someone on my podcast, they'll, you know, build a business relationship. Or if I send them a Yeti mug, they'll buy from me. Or if I you know, do a nice piece of free work. They're going to do something back and like the self, self-serving generosity. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, yeah. And, and a lot of the world is picking up on that. Like, wait a second, like, if you do something nice, like it works and you can, and so it starts to become ingenuine. And my perspective has shifted to where if my job is to honor God, I don't have to make it work from any other perspective than loving my neighbor. So Mm -hmm. giving away a free project to someone who can't afford Veth Group uh, doesn't need to become that, you know, they become a billionaire and all of a sudden they buy me like this little novel story. Like it could just be that you help them and then they ask why and you say, because, you know, you believe Jesus loves them and you want to do the same thing. And then you don't cross paths with them again. And what's been funny is that that plus being bold about faith. So I started to get a lot of views on LinkedIn. So um, single posts were getting upwards of a million views. And, and that got me thinking about like, 
is the thing I actually care about, like teaching people how to prospect or is the thing that I care about, you know, really trying to impact the world for Jesus. So I I changed my LinkedIn brand to be a lot more explicitly faith driven and a lot less about only marketing. And I mm-hmm. thought at the time I was going to go out of business. So I was like, either Connecticut's going to shut me down or like, <laughs> was Connecticut's not maybe the most friendly place to Christianity, but also uh, just worrying like, with the community even engage with that. And it's been amazing to see. I got a text this morning from a customer where he saw a bumper sticker that said, are you following Jesus closely enough? And I, I don't know if this person's a Christian or not, but he, the fact that he said, I thought of you, like it's, you realize people actually see these posts about Jesus. And I've gotten to mail people Bibles and speak to small groups. And I've seen other people at big companies like where I was at Dell uh, start posting verses every day. And they've had their colleagues ask them. And I've just seen this little ripple effect, which uh, I'd give almost 100% credit to um, this guy named Jim Elliott, who's a Wheaton grad uh, in the 50s, who who was martyred um, evangelizing in Ecuador. Wow. And, and Jim Elliott, if you read his papers, he, I mean, the guy was... Our, our age, 28. And he said, uh, he said, when the time comes for me to die, I hope that's all I have to do. Like, I hope I would have lived so faithfully that I can just die. And he said, he's no fool who can, who gives up what he can't keep to gain what he cannot lose. And he had this attitude of eternal focus, similar to the apostle Paul. You read about the apostle Paul. I mean, the guy's just going through the ringer in every earthly sense. Right. And is just totally fixed on the future. Like the, like the mind on things set above uh, can be taken different ways. But in Paul's case, when you see it, it's thinking, holding a future hope. It's not hoping in the present. And my, I know it's a long one answer. I think my perspective has changed where I used to think about it. Like heaven was more of icing on the cake to a successful earthly life. Mm. So I think you'd kind of look at it like, well, if you know, I don't know, like if God didn't exist, but I had a great life on earth and lived out the Bible's principles and had success and love and all these things, then that'd be a good life. And, you know, it. hopefully, you know, Jesus is up there. I think that's how a lot of us are tempted to think about it. Absolutely. And, and my perspective, I think, has changed where when you think about the eternal consequences, now temporary this is, it's all that matters is our faith in Jesus. It's these other things like Veth Group being successful, you had told me three years ago when I was staying at Motel Sixes for like 30 bucks a night, like you, that we'd have a nearly $4 million business. I would, I would have been like, that'd be the greatest thing ever. And once you get there, it's been fascinating for me to see, even in this tiny, tiny amount of success, like I, I would consider it inconsequential compared to you know, millions of other people in business. But when you, when you look at that tiny amount of success and you realize like that actually wasn't like the actual success is not what's fulfilling. Like it's the, like it's putting your head on the pillow and being able to like be proud of the way you served God is where peace comes from and, and proud of how you served others. And like I, uh, in the last few years, I had the chance to actually bring someone to Jesus, which I had never done my whole life. And so like you see that happening and you're like, that means more than millions of dollars in the bank. Like it's not even close. So I think my perspective just become more missional, but I know that's probably a disjointed answer. Well, no, I mean, gosh, there's just so much nuggets there that I want to pick apart that we could, I mean, I mean, just the eternal perspective that you talked about. That's a, I think that's a phrase that's get taught that gets tossed around in church quite a bit of having this eternal perspective. 
but you put it so clearly on what that looks like and having a sense of some of the successes of this world and realizing compared to bringing somebody to Christ, gosh, the joy that comes from that versus the lack of peace that comes from earthly success or simply earthly success, I should say. And so, I mean, first off, thank you for that. And um, I think just a follow up question to that is now that that perspective has shifted, uh, how do you think about stewarding a business? Because at the end of the day, you are a CEO of a company. You have employees that uh, you're responsible for. And uh, I'm sure that they're thinking they want you to grow the business so that they can become more successful at the same time. So how do you balance that that desire to grow the business and steward the business, but also the, the, the need um, from a spiritual standpoint to steward uh, your gifts and talents from, for the sake of the gospel? Yeah, I think that is the punchline question. If you, if you realize that there's some great study, $70,000 of income is like where it's, there's diminishing returns to becoming happy because of money. Mm. Uh, and we all know that logically. Like I know you were a phenomenal baseball player in college compared to me. Like you, you exceeded probably every goal you had as a college baseball player. Like it, it's not like you wake up today a few years later, still thinking about how great you were at it. <laughs> uh, but in the moment you think it would be permanent. Like, so that, uh, and that, that's, I remember when I wanted to double major in college, I thought if only you could double major and get all A's in college, that would just be the greatest thing ever. And so I double majored and got all A's in college and it's meaningless. Like, mm. it's not like you as my friend care. And I certainly don't care. <laughs> it's like, so you start to realize like, wait a second. So I, I think when the first step is, is that, putting our hope in the future versus in the present. Uh, like, like you said, I think it's how I would sum it up is it's not the hope in Jesus is not that Jesus will work our earthly circumstances for our earthly fulfillment and earthly pleasure. It's to say my, my hope is in the future that I'll have eternity with Jesus. And in the present, my hope isn't that Jesus is using me for his glory. It's not in the fact that I'm going to have success as conventionally defined. So I think if you can get yourself even remotely to that mindset, all these things, like whether we have a Republican or Democrat president, or whether you get married or don't get married, or whether you're successful or not successful, start to become less meaningful because you. I think you're getting 1% closer to where the Apostle Paul was. So, so that would be, so you're right. If you can even get yourself remotely to that state of mind, how does that change what we do with resources? Because you're, you're married as well. Like we both still have obligations to provide. We have obligations to give and things. So the way that I've thought about it, which I'm not saying is um, what everyone should do, but I, our company gives 10% uh, of the money away as a company. So I, I think every individual has a biblical obligation if they're a Christian to tithe, but this is as a group, we're also going to collectively tithe uh, 10% of uh, of the profit every quarter. So the first step has been no matter what, whether it's a better month or a worse month or like whether the cause is more interesting or less interesting, whatever it is, like we're constantly going to be giving away 
uh, 10%, which has been really cool. So that's been a range of paying for people's medical bills to supporting inner city youth development to supporting the homeless to uh, the refugee crisis in Thailand. Like the, it, so that's, I think the starting point is you we need to love like Jesus loved. And I, I think the 10% number is good because it's stretching as a business, but um, it still leaves plenty of room for reinvesting. Uh, mm-hmm. But you, I think a lot of people don't want to do any giving and they'll just like reinvest, reinvest, reinvest. But at some point it's like, when does that logic change that you've made enough money you should be giving? Cause not everyone's going to get to salesforce.com level where 1% of their balance sheet is a trillion dollars. <laughs> so I think that was the first thing. The second thing was how do you treat employees? So it, uh, you think of, I believe if you take care of the employees, they'll take care of the customer. Um, so we've come up with things like uh, we're starting to pile like a four day work week every third week. Um, so a lot of our employees just want more time out of the office. Like, like that's a, just a trend in millennials. So we're trying to do that. Uh, when people go on medical leave, they don't have to use their vacation days. Uh, so they like if someone has surgery or something and they need an extra week off, like uh, the company just covers that. Things like providing health insurance, providing training, like giving opportunities for growth are very important. Like I personally try to evangelize a lot on LinkedIn and I try to weave that as much as I can into the conversations we're having as a company or with clients. So I think there's a element of putting that flag in the ground of we're going to follow Jesus as a team. And like when we send a proposal to a fortune 500 company, like there's going to be a page of it dedicated to why Veth group exists. And it's not going to shy away from the fact that it's to like serve Jesus like not like nebulous serving God, whatever God is to you. Like, it's like, we're like the Lord, like Jesus, like that's why we're here. And I, uh, it's been interesting to me because there was a time where I think that would have terrified me if I was at Dell and all my proposals said, by the way, you know, this is delivered to you from a company that, uh, wants to honor God. Like it seemed like no one would buy, but it's funny. I I've uh, gotten to the point where I do a lot of LinkedIn branding for people. So I'll show them my LinkedIn as an example. And my LinkedIn is very explicitly faith driven. So it's like almost every single day I get a chance to show somebody, this is what I do on LinkedIn. And they're inevitably, it's like, well, why does this guy want to evangelize more than he wants to make money? And it leads to people asking, like, why do you care? Like, what's the end of game? What's the, so all that to say, I, I think about it for me, it's been boldness plus generosity, plus you know, creating an environment of servant leadership to employees and uh, to clients. So if you if you screw up, refund the clients. If employee needs something, give it to them. If uh, like if you really strive towards being the best place to work for employees, they'll take care of customers, behave with integrity. That should generate profit if you work hard. Reinvest that profit in growing, like the cast your bread on the waters verse. Give that money away. Like find that right balance of aggressively growing, like casting your bread on the waters, but also giving in the short term, and then. I think if you do that, you have a decent starting point. And then separately, uh, I think from a personal perspective, you have to understand that work, although important, uh, and for us as men, it's tempting to make it all encompassing. It isn't. So I think the next iteration of that is learning how to put work inside boundaries that allow you to be a good husband and father and you know church leader and like when you look at Paul and Peter and some of these guys, they had occupations that didn't define them. And I'm, we're so tempted to say, I'm Connor, I help you grow your money, or I'm Miles, I do marketing. And 
it becomes a 24 seven thing. And uh, I think as godly men, we have to realize that work, although important is not ultimate. So I, I think that's probably the next thing that I need to learn is you, yeah. you just can't do it like 24 hours a day, even if like hypothetically you're able to discipline yourself to that level. No, absolutely. And I, I can say firsthand, man, I've been encouraged by you. One of the things that you posted on LinkedIn, this was probably a few months ago and it was just something bold about, uh, Hey, I will buy you a steak dinner if you want to just, or if you will just be willing to hear me out about the guy that I follow named Jesus. And, uh, you've been so bold. And I, I think like the barometer and you've, you've talked about this throughout the episode here, but the barometer for gauging whether or not what you're doing from a faith standpoint is working is the question of, is it provoking curiosity? And you've obviously experienced that where people are for some reason, just curious about why you're doing what you're doing, because from an earthly perspective, it doesn't make total sense. And so I think that's awesome that you can be as, as bold as you're being and you're provoking a curiosity in people about why you're doing the things you're doing. And then the other thing that I pulled from what you were talking about was just simply the people literally coming to faith as a result of, of what you're doing and the, the work that you guys have um, done as a company, the generosity that, that maybe a lot of people don't see, but it's certainly creating impact. And so, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm encouraged by you. I've been encouraged by you because of what you're doing and what you're posting from a distance, but I'm also encouraged today as you continue, as we dive into really the ins and outs of what makes you tick. And so I uh, appreciate you sharing so far what you've shared. And I'm also interested, I, this question was posed to me a few weeks ago by a guy that I was having lunch with and he's a young guy, um, played college football and um, he's in finance as well. And he asked me the question of, man, how do you think about like the work that you're doing and the amount of hours that you're spending doing the work? And it's not necessarily something that's tangibly or actively bringing people to Christ. Like he was like, I'm, I'm reading six hours a day balance sheets and, and, statistics and none of these things are necessarily bringing me closer to Christ. So how do you think about, and I'm doing the same thing, right? We're, we're looking at charts, we're talking to clients and yeah, there's opportunities there, but we're doing a lot of research and making sure that we're the best at what we're doing. But how do you think about, okay, as a Christian, I'm doing a lot of things that aren't necessarily bringing me closer to Christ hour to hour, day to day, but they're worth it because God has called me to it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on how you think about that. Yeah, it's a tough question. My perspective is that it takes all types of skills and gifts and talents and resources and the parts of the body, like you know, talked about in the New Testament, to further the gospel. So if you look at how you know, a lot of these churches have grown, they require a mix of business people and politicians and ministers. And so I don't know that God calls all of us to be pastors. And and that's obvious from the way the Bible talks about it as a higher calling. So I, I 
honestly, in the simplest of terms, like you brought up the Afghanistan thing this morning, if you put yourself in the shoes of those people, uh, which is scary to do, but if you think about it, if tomorrow morning Joe Biden got up and said, Christians, we know who you are. If you go to church on Sunday, there will be consequences. And if, if Miles and Connor think about that and say, I would go to church and the, so be it on the consequences, which I think is an important question to ask because the authors of the book we claim to follow, like most of them face that, at least in the New Testament. So I, I think if, if you come to that conclusion of, yeah, I would go, even if it meant that they would drain my bank account, even if it meant that they would take me from my family, even if it meant that like, you know, I'd lose earthly comfort, even if it meant that I'd lose my life, like, uh, and people face that in those countries, like this morning they're facing that, like there's probably churches meeting right now as we're talking about what they should do. Uh, and how much do they, you know, boldly hold to the gospel and how, and how much, and the temptations probably for all of us is always to say like the ends justify the means of, I don't want to you know, claim Jesus because the consequence, because I want to you know make a difference some other way. And I think if you can get yourself to that point of boldness in your mind, even though I'm not saying it's the same thing as falling through on it, I don't want to uh, presume that you or I could say with confidence that we'd be able to do what I know is very hard to stand up to that. So I'm, I'm not trying to say that we, should say that we would or something, but I just look at, if you can get your mind to that state of, I'd actually be willing to give it all up for this. You're absolutely right. The the question is just, how does God use that? Because you as a financial advisor touching a lot of the wealthiest people in the world, like, is there a way for God to use that? Because you're in a lot of tough conversations that get very personal. And as part of that, you, you know, bringing more brash boldness to that as a Christian and saying, you know, I like Mr. Mrs. Whatever. Like I, I don't agree that you should be buying a, a sixth beach house. I think you should be giving this money away or uh, <laughs> yeah. living it out yourself. So you can say you're kind of in, in that relationship. I, I guess at your age, you're probably more like the widow's might with the one, one penny versus the million pennies. But to be able to show them that you're doing that as a percentage the same way speaks volumes to if you were asking them to do it. So I, I look at that as if if God saw fit to have you in that role and you became someone who lights a fire in the hearts of people in these conversations, uh, you could change the world dramatically if those people go off and start funding churches and missions in a way that you never would if you tried to be a pastor and that wasn't where God called you. However... Uh, just like for me, the reason that doesn't happen, I believe, is that we overweight an earthly desire over a godly desire. Wow. Yeah. Because if I go into that meeting, to sh- I'm, I'm pitching a private equity firm uh, in Boston right now. So, so they want to have Veth Group take over all these guys' LinkedIn's or something. So when I go to this meeting in a couple of weeks to go meet all these partners, one of the biggest PE firms in Boston, so it's a relatively substantial opportunity. Not probably because of the client size, just because, I mean, they touch so many businesses. So, so if I think about that, if I go into that meeting and my number one goal is to get a client, I'm probably just going to show one of my clients LinkedIn profiles that we manage because 
realistically, it's less controversial. Yeah. So like that guy went to Dartmouth and Harvard. Oh, like that's like, you know, there's all these other reasons. If But if I go up there with like an explicit goal of if nothing else, I want those people to all go to sleep tonight wondering what happens when they die. And I'm going to show them a post on my LinkedIn during the presentation that makes the most powerful group of people at this boardroom table in Boston think, huh, like this person isn't that motivated by money relative to their faith in Jesus. Money doesn't really make me that happy either. I wonder if I should ask him about it. <laughs> or I wonder if they don't buy. Everyone doesn't buy. Like maybe I could mail them a Bible in three months. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, I I thought of you. I, I think you should read this book. Or there, there's a book called Measure of a Man. I mean, there's all these ways you can do it. So so I, I think what happens is we water down the gospel because we act like we believe it to the degree that it doesn't affect our earthly reality. So as long as Miles can go behave just like Bill Gates on the outside, of course, it's like, oh, yeah, I think Jesus exists. That'd be great if there's heaven after earth. Like you hear it in all the country music songs, you know, like I I believe the streets of uh, heaven or, you know, or streets of gold are actually paved in dirt like Luke Bryan. And then the next song is about, you know, like premarital sex. And it's like, this is not a biblically based like album. <laughs> and, I, and I think part of what it gets me to thinking is like, why don't, like, why don't we do that? And I, I think we don't do that because of fear. And if I learned anything from my own experience, not, not that I've done anything so remarkable, it's just like, you would think I'd be so crazy to like do the stuff I do on LinkedIn. Like you can see the results, like God's blessed it. Mm-hmm. Like God, So I, I think part of it is sometimes it's God testing us to say like, Connor, do you love me? Or do you love like that dream of Combs Capital becoming a hundred million dollar company? And if it's you love me, like go prove it, like prove it in that client meeting today. And he gives us those chances. And I, I think we often just kind of come with this rationalization like, well, if I do that and I don't get the client, then God won't be brought glory because Combs Capital won't be as big. You know, God does need it to be big. And you're kind of like, no, he doesn't. Like he, he's, he needs more spokespeople in business who are willing to be bold than he needs people. There's a gazillion Christians with money who are not bold. There's very few people who are bold. And so oh, when absolutely. you think about that, you're like, so I don't know. That, that's been my perspective, which is more just me you know, reminding myself, like, don't be a moron. Because I, I think we can all <laughs> fall back to that constantly. No, but I, I think you so eloquently shared a perspective. But you didn't just share a perspective. You shared tangible ways of how you're being creative and sharing the gospel. Um, this, this isn't simply you talking about an idea and this belief you have. You've shared examples of really how Christian b- business leaders um, can creatively share their faith in the workplace, whether that's with coworkers or whether that's with potential new clients or clients they have already. And I'm so appreciative of that. I think you said it. I mean, there's there's just something missing within a lot of successful, quote unquote, Christian families uh, when it comes to boldness. And I mean, there's there's a reason why God clearly stated that it's it's extremely difficult for a rich man to enter into heaven because the comfortabilities of this world are so enticing and conflict is not fun all the time and there's risk to um sharing your faith uh but it's it's awesome to hear stories 
um, not necessarily of radical life change in everybody you've talked to, but there, there is success that you've had as a result of following Jesus. And, and that's awesome to hear. And so, uh, man, as, as we wrap up, I, I ask this question to every guest that comes on, uh, but what does it mean in your eyes, your world to be truly rich? I would say that, I mean, I was reading Genesis this morning and talked about Enoch and Noah and these people were, you know, God counted someone righteous or God was proud of them or God saw them as faithful. Like I, I, I think wealth in an earthly sense is meaningless. I, I think what, what would God say about you? Like, I think if God would, like, what would God say about Miles? Like as the, if that answer is, uh, is a f- like affirming of the way that I'm living for him. I think I have wealth beyond our greatest imagination. And if it's not, I think it's meaningless. Mm. And thank you so much, man. That's uh, there was a lot of wisdom in this episode and I'm like super excited to share it with people. Uh, oh, Monday for- morning, we're getting into it. <laughs> <laughs> I know what a great way to start the week off. Um, Man, I'm encouraged by you. I appreciate you. Um, I love what you're doing and how you're doing it, more importantly. And, um, man, keep on keeping on. If there's any way that uh, and I can be of encouragement or serve, please let me know. And um, But thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, appreciate you as a, as a man, as, as a business leader, as a business owner, and uh, as a newly husband now. So uh, thank you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I look forward to uh, to keep in touch on your journey. And thanks for taking the time to share this kind of content with the world. Absolutely.